Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's up? It's Pendarvis Harshaw. Look, man, I love baseball. I'm talking majors, minors, college, little league. I'd watch a t-ball game if the weather is right. Back in the day, when I first got into baseball, I learned about the Negro Leagues, a professional league for African-American ball players before integration. It was created in 1920, and it lasted for about 30 years. It's where the Jackie Robinson got his start. Same with Hank Aaron, who went on to break Babe Ruth's home run record. It was also the place where Satchel Paige cemented his rep as arguably the league's greatest pitcher. And then there's Tony Stone. Actually, I hadn't heard of her until recently. But Tony Stone, who spent the majority of her later years in the Bay Area, was the first African-American woman to play professional baseball. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Tony Stone was born in 1921 in St. Paul, Minnesota, and that's where she fell in love with the game of baseball. Throughout her youth, she played ball with the boys, and she continued to, first with the semi-pro Negro Leagues team, the Twin City Color Giants, 
Then she bounced around to teams in San Francisco and in New Orleans. In 1953, she landed in Indianapolis, where she played for her first pro team, the Clowns. And with that, Tony, a baseball scholar and an amazing athlete, made history. Recently, I was invited to San Francisco's ACT Theater to sit in on the rehearsals for a play all about Tony Stone's career. Can we go top of page 15? There's, there's also something really nice, and I think you're already doing it, middle of 16. The play is called Tony Stone, and it has a cast of about 20 people. As they read through the script together, playwright Lydia Diamond offered notes and critiques and praise. Lydia is the one who brought Tony out of the books and newspapers and made her stage ready. I'm Lydia Diamond. I am the writer of Tony Stone, a play about the first woman who played professional baseball. She played in the Negro Leagues. See, look, I just switched right into my fucking NPR voice. Everyone does it, don't they? What is that? What is that? Let I, them I, know I, that I'm black right away. <laughs> no, really. That's important. Okay. Given the questions I have, it will be communicated. All right. What do you have in front of you? I have the script for Tony Stone. This is the top of the play. Tony Stone stands down center. She says, it is round and small, and it fits right there in your hand. And it's not the thing itself, it's the weight of it. It's how it feels and how it fills what your hand was without it. My hand, your hand, our hands are only there to pick up or tie or brush off or put down or move a thing. And then there is this, and a single ball rolls in slowly and stops magically right in front of her. She picks it up. In the rehearsal earlier, you said the spirit of Tony spoke to you. Yeah, you know, all writers say that, and it sounds precious, but it's just true. There's this spiritual thing that happens when we're writing, and um, particularly, so, you know, I spent years researching the person, right? And I lived in Tony Stone, and sometimes you're writing, and she says something that you would never have known to say, but that is totally on target. And by metaphorically walking in Tony Stone's shoes, Lydia saw just how much ground Tony covered. What I've had to do to make the narrative make any sense is sort of consolidate it. She was on so many teams, so I sort of have her in this luminal space that's the Indianapolis Clowns, Mm -hmm. but also we anchor it here in San Francisco. Through her whole life, she'd played with boys and then men, and she was a phenom, like a real phenom. But of course, like the pinnacle of being able to do this thing was to be able to play in in the Negro Leagues. She ends up eventually moving on to a number of teams and then landing in Indianapolis with the Clowns, correct? Right. And she took the place of Hank Aaron, I've read? No, this is true. Second base. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's insane. But she actually got a hit off of Satchel Paige. Yeah, Satchel Paige is like legendary. Huge. Yeah. huge. yeah, she's so, quite something. Yeah, Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank, the famed Braves ball player who broke Babe Ruth's home run record. And Satchel Paige, arguably the greatest pitcher in Negro League's history. I also read that the Clowns is sort of like a Harlem Globetrotters kind of team. Absolutely. Yeah, there was this minstrelsy element that's really tricky as is race in America, right? So the Negro Leagues often had the word clowns in other names of teams, and it was profoundly problematic. 
Having said that, there were lots of black owners of Negro League teams, and there is the relationship that we, the African-American community, can have with a genre of storytelling and entertainment that is safe when it's ours and becomes dangerous when it's minstrelsy for white people. And so these insanely gifted athletes did this dance, and that lives very much lives in the play. Damn. That explains this picture I found of Stone. It's the most common image that comes up when you search her name. She has this dignified expression on her face, but she's wearing a jersey that reads clowns. America's greatest pastime isn't too far removed from how America is all the time. Talented ball players, seen as entertainment, all to generate revenue. Yep, that sounds like America to me. Part of the reason Tony Stone was able to be on the clowns initially was because of the war and because of the integration of the major leagues, Negro Leagues were starting to lose fans and starting to lose players. And so she was an elite athlete, for sure. She could play, and better than many of the men on the team. She also was a bit of an attraction initially. When Tony went into the Negro Leagues, they initially wanted her to wear a skirt and like be the girl, and she was like, no, I can't play baseball in a skirt, my legs will be, you know, like, no, I won't do that. And so surely there was an element that acknowledged that she was this attraction, but she had this singular focus on baseball and would not let it be that. In writing this, do you see any parallels between your story and Tony's story? I would like to think that I have the fortitude and the the gumption and the singular focus to shut out the noises of the people in our society who say my voice doesn't count. My voice doesn't count because I'm black. My voice doesn't count because I'm a woman. My voice doesn't count because I'm, you know, over 50. Whatever, I think it is possible that she was a little more tenacious than I am. Identity plays a part into it as well, like looking at it as a black woman in America. Absolutely. Your voice mattering. Yeah. Absolutely, and she was um, often the only one, and so many of us are often the only one in whatever room, and as we climb to a, a place in our careers, the rooms, sadly, become wider and wider. It leads me to ask you, uh, how many black women playwrights do you know? Like, is that There are a lot of us. I would say still, black women are having this wonderful renaissance, and there's Katori Hall, and there's Dominic Morisot, there's Lynn Nottage before us. There's Susie Laurie Parks. So I think our voices are loud and strong, And I, but I think there aren't enough producers of color. There are enough artistic directors of color. And the audiences in the American theater tend to be pretty elite and homogenous. And so we don't get our stories told, and we don't get a wide range of different kinds of stories. And so, of course, it is hard for us to get a piece of the pie. There are many black women playwrights writing insanely beautiful and deep and amazing work, and they don't find their way to stages, you know. Why is it important to tell Tony Stone's story right now? It's important to tell our stories that get erased in history, I think, period, always. But it's interesting because every play I've ever written for the last two decades, anytime I do press, the question is, 
it seems that your play really speaks to where we are now. Well, that's, that's discouraging in a way because I write about the complexities of race and class and gender. So I'm writing these things that are, that are problematic. I'm asking questions that we can't as a country figure out how to answer. But every time the play is done, it's exactly the time for that conversation. It never ceases to amaze me. Thank you to Lydia Diamond for your writing and for your work. For people interested in finding out more about Tony Stone's story, check out the play. It's currently running at ACT until March 29th. Details at act-sf.org. Thank you to my producer, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, who is kind of like the catcher on this team. And if she's the catcher, then obviously our editor, Jessica Plachik, plays the role of the center fielder, just always where we need her to be. Uh, thank you to the higher-ups at KQED. That's Julie Kane, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. They kind of play the role of, like, the first-base coach, third-base coach, and the head coach. Shout-out to the skip. And myself, I'm Pendarvis Harshaw. I guess I'd be your pitcher. And if we're all playing roles, you, the audience, would be the crowd. Thank y'all for cheering us on and supporting the home team. Y'all be easy until the next game. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.